And uh, the Lord has blessed us richly with the giving, and I just thank the Lord uh, and thank you uh, for that. If you would stand, please, in uh, Luke chapter 3. And we're going to read about the baptism of Jesus. Reading in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this uh, account in the scriptures of the baptism of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for these clues that you give us about the Trinity, the voice of the Father, Jesus being baptized, the Spirit coming down. And I pray that you would just broaden our imagination to see your love for us and that you have included us because of Calvary in this circle of divine life between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll notice on your outline there, I put another verse that uh, I, I think is important, and I'm going to try to tie this in at the beginning of the message and at the end. And the verse is in John 17, right before Jesus is arrested, he says these words, and he's speaking to the Father, that the love you have for me, the love of the Father that he has for Jesus, may be in them, that's us, and that I myself may be in them, that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Now I want to tie that to this because as we see in this scriptural account, we have Jesus being baptized in water. He wasn't baptized in water because he needed cleansing from sin, okay? But it's a baptismal uh, um, rite, ordinance, if you will, that's always been practiced in the church, where you put your faith in Christ, and after that miraculous new birth, you're baptized in water in, in the fellowship of the church, and you recognize and state publicly that you're a follower of Christ. Jesus said that right at the end of his ministry in Matthew 28. Go ye into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see Jesus here being baptized. The wonderful, supernatural, transformational, miraculous, whatever you want to call it, that I love about this is that in the midst of that, when Jesus comes up, the Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. So we have Jesus, the Word made flesh, the eternal Son of God, being baptized in water. We have the Father speaking his affirmation, this is my Son, this is my eternal Son. Okay, in other places, we have listened to him. The Father adds on to that. And then we have the work of the Spirit. 
So what we have here is a picture, a beautiful picture, I believe, of all three persons of the Trinity revealing themselves and showing up, if you will, manifesting themselves so we can see it here in this account. Now the connection I'd like you to make in your own life is this, and connect it to John 17, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus takes up union inside of us when we are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father speaks. And the same love, Jesus asked, that the Father had for the Son, he would have that for you and I. Friends, this is a phenomenal, mind-boggling truth that in the last few years I have meditated on it again and again and again and thought, the Father loves me. I am one with Jesus. His presence is in me. I am in this community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Am I in it because of my behavior? Of course not. I fail all the time. But I'm in it because of what Jesus did in my place, dying for my sins, giving me his righteousness. I am holy and blameless as an adopted son, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus did on my behalf. This is an incredible, phenomenal prescription for loneliness, for insecurity, for fear, for fear of the future. We are in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in this divine family of community. A couple of years ago, I think COVID was just beginning, and I was asked to judge the Lions Club speech contest. And it was myself and three or four other adults in the community. And we met at Bob's Ranch House. And COVID, we were just about six months into it, if I recall correctly. And different kids got up and gave speeches about a topic. The kids, of course, as you know, sports were canceled. Um, all kinds of things were canceled. Most kids were doing classwork from home on, on, uh, on Zoom and on the computer and whatnot. And their whole lives had been turned upside down. Some of the kids got up there and talked about anxiety and about fear and what does the future hold and depression and on and on. And some of the kids were so despondent, I almost went to the front and wanted to hug them and say, God is with you. You're going to make it. Okay? We're all nervous, but the Lord is here. And, and of course, I couldn't do that in that setting. But I was so tugged by the pain in those kids' hearts as they were fearful, uh, as they were sitting at home on the computer, as they lost all of their activities that they were normally involved in. Phones, what we have in Jesus and in the Father and in the Spirit is mind-bogglingly wonderful as far as assurance of salvation, assurance of his presence, uh, and with us. Let me read you another account. This is a lady named uh, Elisa Fitzpatrick. When I was a child, I had a recurring nightmare. I would dream that I was standing on a darkened stage completely alone. In my dream, I wasn't able to move, hide, or even speak. Rooted to the ground in terror, I sensed a threatening presence lurking just out of sight. I was lost wandering, 
somehow, and though I didn't know how then, I knew I was ruined and had ruined something, and that there was nothing I could do to make up for my mistake. Even now, now, though I'm in my 60s, I can still feel the isolation and dread that threatened to engulf me on that dark stage. I was completely alone, engulfed in inescapable dread, barely able to breathe. I can't describe how terrifying that felt and still feels to me now when I call it to mind. If you want to psychoanalyze me, I'll admit that I was what today would be called a latchkey kid. And my nightmare expressed that loneliness in my sense that there was something inextricably wrong with me that wasn't wrong with people who had normal families. My dad had left our home fairly early on and my mom worked hard. When I think back on my childhood, family is not a word that I would use to describe it. I would walk home from school, I would watch TV, my mom would get home, we would have a TV dinner and I would go to my room. And she goes on and says this, right before my 21st birthday, the Lord graciously saved me. He saved me from my sin out of my great need. He saved me from anger, bitterness, self-deception and self-hatred that had marred my life up to that point. He saved me from my aloneness, isolation, loneliness and self-condemnation. We see it again and again in the scriptures. I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. The presence of God has taken up residence in us. And Jesus shows us this community here in John chapter 3 that we are a part of. This truth has been just grabbing me with wonder and amazement and worship for the past four or five years. The Father loves me. Jesus loves me. The Spirit is inside of me. And I am in this community with incredible assurance, safety, love, affirmation, holy and blameless, an adopted son from before the foundations of the world. Folks, we can go out into this broken world with a smile on our faces and assurance in our hearts that we know the God of the universe. No matter how chaotic and crazy this world gets, we can say with confidence, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Nevertheless, I don't live, but Christ lives in me. And my Father, Abba Father, the Spirit crying out inside of me to the Father in heaven, there is rest and assurance and peace and joy in this place. If you take your outline there, we'll look through this and we'll come back and include that uh, comment. I've entitled this, You Are Welcome In. That's in the community of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You were included. God is for you. Would you say that phrase with me? God is for me. God is for me. One more time. God is for me. Paul says that in the book of Romans. God is for you. He's not mad at you. Because of what Christ did, you are his son and his daughter. Look at your outline there, if you would. John the Baptist, okay, Nick did a great job a couple of weeks ago telling us about John the Baptist's ministry. I have to review a couple of points here because this leads right into John baptizing Jesus, okay? Right there, if you would, real repentance produces fruit in a follower of Jesus. Anybody ever heard of jailhouse Christianity? Okay, I know Tim Bradford has, okay? 
because he worked there. And I've visited many people in jail over the years, and I've heard the most profound, eloquent confessions in jail cells and jail visiting rooms and whatnot, okay? People that I was just sure knew the Lord and were going to follow him and, and were going to do good when they got out. And later when they got out, they went back to that old life. Well, what happened? There was repentance, at least verbal repentance that I heard, but there was no action following it up. Okay, Chuck Colson in his ministry used to talk often okay, about people getting out of incarceration, going back to their homes, and being with the same friends they were with before, and they fell back into that old life. Okay? So John gives this uh, almost ferocious challenge to people that come to him to say, don't just come with fake repentance. Repent of sin, yes, but then produce fruit in your life of a changed life. Okay, and that's what John is, is all about. Next blank there, John always supports his, subordinates his ministry to that of Jesus. Some people come to John, came to John and wondered, are you the Messiah? And he said, oh, absolutely not. <coughs> said, I'm not even worthy to untie the latch on his sandals. Okay, and then we have this statement, I baptized with water, okay, dunked under the water, pulled up, okay. When Jesus comes, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Real change Fire, a symbol of purity, the Holy Spirit, uh, the presence of God, okay, dwelling up inside of a person to bring about lasting change and presence in our lives, okay? The next blank there, Jesus was sinless, but was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, okay? What is baptism, okay? It's something that Jesus ordered and mandated for new believers, okay? You put your faith in Christ, you're born again, and then you're baptized in water. And it's a wonderful, joyful experience for me. Uh, and we use, we're going to have another baptism on Easter Sunday. But when a person gives their life to Christ and then wants to stand up publicly and say, I'm a follower of Jesus now. And I always give people liberty at that time to take a few minutes to, to give their testimony. Okay, I still remember Jeremiah's testimony, Jeremiah Bryan, uh, okay, and many others, okay, of confessing what their life was like before they came to Christ, how they came to the Savior, and what's going on now. It's a beautiful, wonderful picture of transformation in people's lives, okay? So baptism is obedience to Christ. Baptism is a public testimony. Baptism is also a picture of cleansing where you're dunked down into the water, and your old life is left behind, and you rise in newness of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we've got some symbolism there that shows many wonderful things about the Christian life and of coming uh, to Jesus, okay? The last blank there in that middle section, John's baptism is with water, and Jesus baptizes with uh, the Holy Spirit, now that middle section there, I've listed that and I've called it supernatural events. Why is that? Well, because we've got some supernatural events here, okay? Look and see what it says, okay? As he was praying, heaven was opened. So you've got the heavens opening, okay? Paul in Corinthians talks about the fact that he was lifted up to the third heaven, 
Okay? Heaven, we would think, is above us, okay? There's this endless galaxy that goes on forever and ever. We don't know exactly where heaven is, spatially, as we would understand that as human beings. But we've got this reality called heaven, okay, which is the throne room of the Father, okay? There's angels there, okay? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, okay? So we read the Bible, and there's a reality talked about heaven. Did anybody see that movie? <coughs> Um, Heaven is Real came out five or six years ago. Okay, a kid, I, I think, had a, uh, an, a burst appendix, was taken to the emergency room, uh, died on the operating table, uh, uh, recovered, okay, and uh, later began to say things to his dad, what he saw from heaven that his dad was doing while he was supposedly dead. Okay, true story. He's the youth pastor, I think, in Nebraska or in Colorado. Okay, so they put this in the movie. So his kid one day has recovered and, and it starts saying to his dad, uh, well, this is what you were doing. I saw you crying in the waiting room. And his dad looks at him like, what? And several other things happen and the movie is titled, Heaven is Real. Friend, do you realize that we live in a culture that completely discounts the supernatural? We are victims, if you will, of the Renaissance. Prior to that, God was at the center of reality and popular thought. After the Renaissance, human beings are the center of reality in the scientific world, the technology world, the political world, and on and on it goes. This thinking has drenched our thoughts more than we even realize. So when we look at an account like this, okay, uh, where we have heaven opened, we have a voice from heaven, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, we have the spirit descending in bodily form like a dove, we have a supernatural event here that many in our modern culture will dismiss. So what we have in the scriptures is accounts of supernatural events, of a God that we can't see, and yet who has revealed himself in time and space, all throughout the scriptures. So be careful when you see supernatural events in the Bible that your brain just doesn't turn off and say, well, that's preacher talk. I have told you before of lapsing into a year-long depression in, in Bible college in 1979. And to this day and every day, I say, Lord, you showed up and you lifted that depression. I will never forget sitting in Rodney Curran's room describing uh, uh, to him how discouraged and depressed that I was. Okay? And Rodney Curran began to pray and something broke through the atmosphere and lifted that depression. When he finished praying, I opened my eyes and looked at him and thought, Rodney, something just happened. Now you can't put that in an algebraic equation, but my testimony is I was in bad shape and God lifted it and did a miracle. This is the God we serve. So you go out into this world that wants to discount everything to an algebraic equation and what we can see and taste and touch and feel, my senses, and you have to read the scriptures and say, we have a God who's not worried about your senses and your logical equations and your unbelief really is what it is at core, but who enters time and space and says, I'm going to show up. I'm going to manifest my power and my presence. I'm going to touch your life. 
And that's why the testimonies that Lisa Theophanitis is coordinating are so important because they're real day life stories. This is the way my life was. This is what God did. This is how he revealed himself, okay? So you've got a testimony. Stop being shy and share it because we all need to hear it. And it's incredibly encouraging. A changed life, a supernatural God, bringing transformation into time and space right here on the earth. And so we go out into the world and we say, Jesus is real. He changed my life. He's present. He's available. My Father loves me. The Spirit's inside of me. Jesus is inside of me. And because of this, I can walk out of the world and no matter what the news is saying, my God's going to take care of me. And my God is going to take care of you. And my God answers prayer. He's present. He's real. He's available. He's alive. And you know what? He's coming again. Do you know how hopeless people are out there in the world today? Absolute hopelessness. Prescription drug use is absolutely off the charts. The pharmaceutical companies are making billions over hand over fist. Because people are anxious and afraid and nervous and can't sleep and are worried about the future. Folks, we have the answer. It's right in the pages of this book. So spend time with Jesus. I've been saying this for two years during COVID. Folks, the word, the spirit, the community. We need each other in community. You need the Word individually to feed your own heart. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit to activate your insides, if you will, to change your mind, to touch your heart, to fill you with His presence. And God is going to use us in this broken world that we live in. So we have here supernatural events. Number one, the heavens opened is a biblical expression used of God encountering humans. Okay, I'm just going to touch on these, but I'd really like you to read these this afternoon. Ezekiel 1.1. Okay, Ezekiel has a vision of the throne room of God. Okay, and uh, you'll see the phrase there, the heavens opened. Okay, again, I can't write that on a, uh, an equation, but the Bible says the heavens opened and Ezekiel saw this vision of the throne room of God. And you know what? I believe it because it's in the Bible. It's true. It really happened. This is not a geometry book. This is not a biology book. Okay, it's none of those things. This is a book about God encountering lost humans here on the earth. Okay, so heavens open, Ezekiel 1.1. The second one there, Acts 7, you'll see it uh, right underneath the list there. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, uh, Stephen is about to be martyred. Okay, he declares the testimony about Jesus. The Pharisees were furious. They begin to stone him, okay? And it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and saw God. Okay? Miraculous, supernatural, yes. The last one there is John, where it says that he saw uh, heaven uh, open, okay? The next supernatural event is we have the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and the phrase there that I've put into quotes is in bodily form like a dove. Whenever you see, and I remember this from Mrs. Fowles' grammar and English classes, okay? Whenever you see the word as or like, 
It's a term of grammar where something is used to describe something else. Okay? Say you say, on Christmas morning, a kid uh, uh, ran to the Christmas tree like a gazelle. You're saying a kid was so excited to get to the presents that he just ran like a gazelle to get to the tree. Okay? If we see here that the dove descended in bodily form like a dove, Luke is describing spiritual realities for this physical, tangible place. He's trying to describe what God is doing in this encounter. Friends, how do you describe God? Gets a little dicey, doesn't it? That's why it's so wonderful that Jesus came. The word became flesh. He walked around and could hug people. He could hold children. He could minister to people. He was actually there in real, tangible form. That's why the incarnation is so crucial to everything in the Christian life. And that's why every cult says, no, Jesus wasn't really God. He was a nice guy, taught some good things, okay, showed us how to live. No, the Bible says Jesus is eternal God, became flesh. I was teaching this to the uh, Awana kids a few weeks ago, and I had one of the kids come up, and I had him stick out his arm, and I slapped the bottom of his arm. I said, that's flesh. Jesus was actually here in physical flesh. Fully God, fully man. And then he looked at people and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now that bends the brain. Of course. Friends, we're talking about God revealing himself to human beings, okay? And this is what the Father did because he was so determined to save us from our sins. I'm not going to leave you there alone. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to come and get you. You won't be able to get away from my pursuing grace that will again and again say, I don't give up on you. I'm coming after you. I don't care how bad you screwed up. The Holy Spirit's going to keep saying, I love you. I want you. Come to me. And I love the stories I've read over the years of people finally just saying, ah, I give. I give. I'm tired of living like this. Yes, Jesus. I've seen it happen, and it's wonderful. Pride dies hard. And Jesus just keeps saying, I'm coming after you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to draw you to myself. So we have this phrase there in verse 22 of Luke 3. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. It's a little bit mysterious. Not exactly sure what's all going on there. But when it says the Holy Spirit descended, I believe the Holy Spirit descended. Something miraculous happened of the presence of God empowering Jesus to minister, to serve, to heal people, to cast out demons, to still the storm, to be empowered to carry out his ministry. Look next in your outline. The Father's voice validated the identity of Jesus Christ as God's Son. What did Jesus say to the disciples in Matthew chapter 16? Who do men say that I am? The singular question of all of history. Who is Jesus? Okay. Who is he? 
And Peter responded, maybe Elijah, maybe this, maybe John the Baptist, maybe one of the prophets, okay. And then Peter speaks up, but he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Peter couldn't even formulate that himself with his own cognitive thinking. And that's why Jesus said, you know what? The father revealed this to you. But everything is dependent on that question. Is Jesus an imposter? Okay. Is he an Elmer Gentry? Is he some televangelist who wants your money? Is he a fake? Is he an what is he? He is the Christ, the son of the living God. The second person of the Trinity, eternally existing in eternity past. And yet coming, conceived by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And walking here on the earth for 33 years to save us from our sins. That's what Jesus did. Look next at your outline. The Father's voice validated the identity of Jesus Christ as God's Son. And you can read those verses there. Other places where the Father's voice spoke, okay, to assure people uh, this Jesus is no imposter. Now let's come back to our final point that I touched on in the beginning. You are welcome in. You are included. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, you were included in God's family, okay? When I talk to people in counseling, discipleship settings, whatever it is, I often will ask them, what was your childhood like? What was your family like growing up? Okay? Was your father there? Was he absent? Was there addiction issues? Whatever it is. Because those initial encounters with life and family and relationships and people shape the way people look at reality. Okay? Okay, I've used the phrase again and again about father wounds and early encounters with absent fathers. It shapes the way people look at reality and the way they look at themselves. Okay, and so when I begin to hear those things, okay, I help the person, or at least I try to help the person to look at their journey and what they've been through in this life. And then when they get done, I always want to let them know, you have a father in heaven who says, you are mine. I delight in you. I am proud of you. I have given you a phenomenal gifts. I'm going to bless you. You have incredible potential in this life because you are my son or my daughter. It begins to change the constructs of their mind and how they see themselves and how they see life. And Paul builds on it in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says about having a renewed mind. Anybody have repetitive thought patterns that go over in your head again and again that aren't very pleasant? I'll raise my hand. Welcome to the human race. Welcome to a mind that needs to be renewed. I had a negative thought in my mind the other day, and I was praying later, and I thought, you know, Lord, this doesn't sound like you, this negative, self-incriminating thought. I don't think my father would say that. My father loves me. When I make a mistake, he still loves me. 
I can rest in his unfailing love. And when thoughts hit us, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, taking every thought captive, we have to arrest those thoughts and say, you know what, that's not what God's word says about me. We also have to say, you know what? My Father in heaven loves me. Jesus died for me. The Spirit is in me. And I'm going to agree with what God's assessment of my life is, which is I am loved. And I belong to God. And he has a plan for our life. Now, does this preclude issues of repentance or confession of sin or anything like that? Of course not. We all blow it. And repentance of sin is very appropriate and is part of the daily Christian life. Confession of sin, coming to the communion table, all those things fit in there. But do you know what's underneath that? This assurance of unfailing love. See, you're not loved by God when you behave perfectly. Hallelujah, praise God. You're loved by God because Jesus died in your place and you've accepted the forgiveness that he gave you. And Paul builds on this in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says that we've been given the righteousness of Christ. So when I have negative thoughts, I identify them, I arrest my thoughts and say, you know what, that's not from God. If I need to apologize or make something right with someone, I do that as quickly as I can. But then it's always from this foundation. My Father in heaven calls me his own son. Do you know how this is a game changer in our lives in this broken world? In the midst of the community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The next blank there, you are have a new identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's not in your outline. I'd encourage you to read it. Talks about being a new creation in Christ. You are loved because of your identity, not your perfect behavior. Your identity is in Christ, in the Father, with the Spirit. That's who you are. Do you know how many people attach their identity to their profession, to their skills, to their beauty, to their intelligence, to whatever? All those things fade away. All those things are passing. My identity in Christ never changes because nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And the Father has said, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Friends, this is a game changer for your peace of mind, your place in this world, and who you are in Christ. When you are baptized, next blank, when you are baptized in water, you are making a public declaration. And the last one there, you are included in the community of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Please take some time this afternoon to read John 17, uh, 20 to 26, okay? You've heard me read it before, but it talks about Jesus saying, I am in you, you are in me, we are in the Father. That's mutual indwelling with the Father, with the Son, by the Spirit. Friends, it changes everything in our lives. Worship team. Lord, every person here this morning has things in their minds that are happening, things that they have to do, problems that seem like they'll never change, mountains that are bigger than the resources that they have.
And I would ask in Jesus' name that you would bathe them in the love of the Father right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to them of your unfailing love. If there's someone here who doesn't know you, may they merely say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Maybe there's one here that's facing this impossible issue. And I ask, Lord, that your grace, your peace, your love, your presence, your power would settle upon them today and they would experience your Holy Spirit. All the problems of this life are small in comparison to the power of God. But Lord, we don't always know that because the mountain of the issues is just all-encompassing, at least in our minds. So Lord, come and change the way we think. Renew our minds. Show us where Paul said that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us and teach us how to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.